again, welcome to Grace Point. If this is your first time, if you're here for the holidays and visiting family on the weekend, uh, glad to have you a part of our worship time. We started a series last week called The Gift, and you know, I know that gifts and gifts are exchanging and flying through the air and dirty Santas and different things like that are happening around the office and you know, it's just the gift season, the gift exchange. You know, it's called Black Friday. I didn't realize this until fairly recently. That's because finally the companies will turn a profit. It's like they're red until Black Friday comes. It's like we are dependent upon the Christmas gifts uh, going out and being exchanged. And so when you think about the gift at Christmas time and uh, the different gifts that you will be given and that you will give, you know, it comes to one that you kind of have this criteria, again, conscious, unconscious, I don't know, but you want to make sure the gift fits. You know, again, you want to make sure it fits and, and try to parallel that with uh, Christ being the gift and how he fits us. We talked about that last week. This week we want to talk about the fact and the reality is that when you go out and buy gifts, they're going to be costly. Hopefully you're already putting a budget in place. Hopefully you already have one. But a gift that is given many times costs something. The gift, when we refer to Christ, it costs dearly. Dearly did it cost. And what can we learn from the giving of Christ of himself, how can we take that upon ourselves and then go into the Christmas season in a similar nature, living out the Christmas story? But also, you know, you're looking for a gift, you look for something that's meaningful. Next week we're going to talk about a meaningful gift, uh, the gift of Christ being meaningful, and what does it mean to us? And then, uh, finally, we'll come back and we'll talk about the perfect gift. And there's just an element, every now and then you'll find that perfect gift for the loved one, and it's like Everything lines up, it fits them, it's the right price, it says something. You've waited a lifetime to find that gift, to give that gift. It was a special occasion, a special anniversary or something, and here it is. And you've been planning for it. There's perfect gifts out there. And I want to say to you, all of this, these four criteria in which we go out shopping for gifts, these four criteria, Christ fulfills in our life. That's the thesis of this series and the idea that gift giving can, should have some kind of tie back to Christ. And how can we learn and how can we uh, replicate that into our own life? I don't know about you, but gift giving is, I think, an art and a science. There's an art side to it. Art has emotion. Art has subjectivity. Art has a feeling to it. When you give a gift, you want you want to, you have this emotion. You want the other person to feel a similar emotion. All right. You give certain gifts. You may think they're very practical, guys. This is a very practical, good gift, and you may get a different emotion back at you. All right, depending on the gift that you get. So there's an art side to giving. Now there's also a science side to giving. There's the mathematical, does it fit the budget? Can we pay for this? Will we be paying in July for this one gift in December? You know, that's where you have to have some science tied into the art side of it. There's a qualitative and a quantitative kind of element whenever you start giving out gifts. And I'm a professional gift giver, so I, I just take it from me as I shared last week. But when you come to the Christmas story, there's a qualitative, quantitative, art, science element to the story of Jesus. 2,000 years ago, God the Father sends His Son, Jesus, into time, 
into space, putting on flesh, dwelling among man. In the message, it translates it that he pitched his tent among us. And the fact that he lived in our presence just with us, one with us. That was the gift of God to mankind. It was a, it was a costly gift. It was a gift that God gave to us, God gave to mankind, but I have to say, in this gift exchange, he got the raw end of the deal, all right? Because he gave him, himself his perfect one and only son, and we gave him a truckload of sin, all right, to die for. He gave himself, he gave everything, and we give him pain and suffering and disappointment. So it was not exactly been a fair exchange of gifts here. But I think what we can grow out of that story of Christ is that hopefully we'll spend the rest of our life giving our lives fully and completely back to Him. That's not a payment. It's not a payment thing. You don't give gifts in payment. You give gifts out of grace and out of love. And so, just as it says in Romans 5 verse 8, it says, God shows His love toward us that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. The reality is that God didn't wait for us to get good and to equal our gifts out with His gift before finally He would die for us. He gave Himself completely, fully, so that we would have Him. And then what we spend the rest of our life doing is giving ourselves back to Him. I think I have a problem with the westernized, commercialized, organized hedonistic form of Christian gift exchange or Christmas gift exchange that we have going on in America. I think there's a little bit of an out-of-balance part to it when really what we need to see is not so much what am I getting, what's on my wish list and marking it all off, but really what am I giving and how am I giving it? Uh, and And I know it's a lot more fun to receive, we think, even though the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive, but... We, we get on that short, again, back to what I said last week, we got this very shallow consciousness to a deeper reality that's going on out there. And if we would only dive a little deeper and learn to give, we'd find a depth of joy and contentment in our life that we don't have in this other model that's out there. But really, the way Christ would want us to live is that we've received so much from Him that literally we would turn around and in our life become this amazing conduit a blessing back into this world, back to His kingdom, back to His work. Matthew chapter 10 verse 8 says it like this, freely you receive, freely give. You have been given generously to, you have received greatly, you have received without restraint from God, what should you do with that? Hang on to it, put it on a trophy shelf, talk about it? No, you should give it back. You should give it away. The the whole picture of Christmas is not what am I going to get from the tree, but what am I going to give to the world? What am I going to give in the name of Christ? How am I going to live that out? That's where it becomes costly to us. The dollars and the cents, we'll pay it off over time, hopefully. But really what real costly giving is, Jesus modeled it. Jesus, Take your Bibles, we find in the book of Philippians, uh, Philippians chapter 2 is where we'll be in a moment. But when you think about what you can give on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis in your life, what, what can you give? Time? 
That's one of the things that we can give. We all have time. We all have the same amount of time. How much time do you have? How much time do you give away? Now, some person challenged me one time in the past. He said, Mike, you talk about tithing 10%. What about asking people to give 10% of their time? That, that, that makes sense to me. If it works for you, it helps you compute it out. But I think there is an element in our Christian faith that we need to learn to inhale, breathe in, and we need to learn to exhale, breathe out. We breathe in God's truth and blessing. We breathe it back out into this world. Hopefully you're in here today and you're going to breathe in some of God today. Hopefully you'll walk out of this into these classrooms, into, into, the, into the foyer, around our community, and you will breathe back out. Because you giving your time is one of the ways that you have been given, you can freely give back. Freely given, freely give back. How can you do that? How can you work? We have this little phrase out there on the wall. When you leave here, you'll see it. Every member is a minister. Every ministry is meaningful. We want you to just download that into your life, integrate that into the fabric of your life where you realize that, hey, I can give. I've got time to give. I've got talents to give. Some of y'all have talents that I don't have. I have talents you don't have. You have talents that they don't have. What if we could say, Here are, here's my life, God. You, you shaped me. You've given me spiritual gifts. You've given me habits, you, uh, hobbies. You've given me this personality. You've given me this, this training. How can I use it, employ it for you? Now, last year, we gave a challenge. This message today is as much a challenge as it is a commendation, all right? It is a commendation to our people to say, way to go, Grace Point. Last year, a year ago, we did a series called Radical. And it was one of those that stretched us, challenged us outside of our box. We had a number of people who took a radical challenge. And one of those radical challenges, one was to read through the Bible in a year. There were several others uh, to give, like you've never given before. Number, another one was to serve outside of your context. You name it. You could serve in a homeless shelter. You could serve in South Arkansas. You could serve in North Arkansas. You could serve in Africa. You could serve in India. You could serve anywhere. And so what we did is we said, okay, if we're going to ask our people to serve in a different context, we need to get organized. And so we put together 11 different global adventures around the world. And the beautiful thing is, is that we commissioned this past year 110 of our members to go around the world, over 110. In fact, we have one family, first year to commission them, that the halls are now living internationally, and they're there full time. It's really exciting to think about 110 this year gone out from our church uh, around the world. And we've gone to two different uh, domestic projects that we've, that we've worked in, but nine different international projects. So we've been, again, around the world in many different, many different shapes and forms. Now, when we went, what did we do? We did some human development work. We did medical clinics. One of the medical clinics, we saw 240 patients, and we treated malaria, we treated uh, gangrene, we treated different kind of tropical diseases that I know not of, uh, and, you know, it's just all this kind of stuff. We pulled 40 teeth, and we had a hygienist go with us and just pulled out teeth as much as we, as, as we could to just relieve the pain in people's lives. But also while they were there, we shared the gospel with them. Again and again and again. So we did that. We also went to Haiti. We built a house for a home for a, a family that lost their home during, a, during the, the earthquake there a, a year or so ago. We also trained 48 different family, 48 different people in how to have a profession and just seamstress and sewing. Did different, different works like that. Uh, we also went to Zambia for the second time. 
and help construct a, 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 a an orphanage there. In fact, the founders of that orphanage will be here speaking uh, at the conclusion of one of our services here in a couple of weeks. And you're going to get to know uh, Blue, uh, uh, the, the Darbys. You'll get to know, uh, what are their names? Blue and Darby. Tidwell, Tidwell. You'll get to know the Tidwells then. Uh, and uh, so it'll be exciting time. But this is the work that we've been doing around the world. But it's not just been human development work. There's been this spiritual development. That is just as important, in fact, more important in my ranking. And we had different people give back reports from their different trips. Fifty-two people spent time in one-on-one mentoring relationships with people. We had 48 different pastoral training sessions with people, training them how to care for the people. But here's something that's really exciting. 1,839 people heard the gospel. Uh, heard the gospel. And give, give, our, give our church a hand. That's right. It's very exciting. And this is just, I see the me hands over here. This is just in our organized trips that we went out from Grace Point. We've had people go to India and to Kenya. The me hands just got back from Kenya. And so we've got a lot more going on. I'm just telling you about the 11 that we sent out from our church. And out of that over 1,800 that heard the gospel, 59 of them, uh, uh, yeah, 59 of them gave their life to following Christ. And so that's an awesome thing that our church has been a part of. How did they do it? They realized that they had been given freely. They took their time, two weeks vacation if need be, whatever, took their time, they took their talents, and they said, I'm available. But also, we have treasures. We all have treasures. And we can put our treasures wherever we want them. We can put them in boats and cars and vacations and homes and all that kind of stuff. How can I use my treasures? How can I give my treasure away? I like what C.S. Lewis said, and he's one of the great authors of the 20th century. He says, I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In other words, if our expenditure on comfort, leisures, amusements is up to the standard common among those in the same income as our own, we are probably giving away too little. If our charities do not all pinch or hamper us, I should say that we are too small. There ought to be things that we should like to do and cannot do because our charitable expenditures exclude them. How much of our giving of our time, giving of our treasures, giving of our talents actually hamper us? See, the model of Christmas is not what can I get, but the model is what can I give. You just have to look at the life of Christ and how he gave. Are, are my pleasures, is my generosity, is it pinching the way I live my life? Is it pinching my lifestyle, as, as, as C.S. Lewis would put it? In, in Philippians chapter 2, we find in four verses where we go from the cradle to the grave. We go from the cradle to the resurrection, if you will, of of the life of Christ and how He came to this earth, how He lived on this earth, and then how He ended up leaving this earth in His death and ultimately His resurrection. And and I wonder today, if we could just go back, please lean in on this one a minute. I wonder if we could live the Christmas story. Let's live the Christmas story instead of just telling it. If, if I could put myself in Jesus' sandals 
and we're to live out how he lived out. And he's Christmas. He's the first word in Christmas, all right? All right, he, he's Christmas. And so how can I take the life of Christ and live it out in my life this Christmas season and throughout? Think, think about it with me. And here's a couple of things from Philippians chapter 2 that challenges. But look at verse Look at verse 5 to start with, because this is where the challenge begins. He says, having this mind, what mind is this? What, that mind that he just got through referring to, but also he goes on, having this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. There's going to have to be a mental shift There's going to have to be a paradigm shift. There's going to have to be a change in attitude, as one translation puts it. it, Have this attitude in yourself, which is also in Christ Jesus. Can I, will I take on the attitude, the perspective, the value of Christ and really enter in? That's when I'm going to start living out the Christmas story and not just telling the Christmas story. So let's keep reading. He said, Who, though he was in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of a man, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. There you have it. You have the life of Christ in three verses. You have his coming, you have his living, and you have his dying. The life of Christ in three verses. Now, what else you have is the verse right prior to that when he says, have the same mind that Christ has. Now, how can I take the life of Christ, the Christmas gift, the ultimate Christmas gift of all, how can I take my life and lay it over the life of Christ and to make sure there's alignment? That I'm living like he lived, that I'm doing as he did. How can I be like Christ and live out the Christmas story? One is I've got to learn to give personally. Personally giving. Now, if you notice again, back in that verse, he says, Who though in the form of God? He was God. Okay, he is God. He always will be God. He always was God. Jesus is God. All right? Don't let anybody ever tell you that he was just, God invented him and put him in, the, in a manger. He's always been. Read John chapter 1, verse 1. He's been since the beginning of time. He was there in the creation. He wrestled with Jacob. He's been around for a long time. Many people believe in Shadrach, Meshach, uh, and Abednego were in the fiery furnace, and then there was a fourth guy in there. But many people believe that was a pre-incarnate Christ amongst them. What is this? Christ has always existed. He was in heaven. He's always existed. He's in in a heavenly state. Now, keep going with me. But he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. I don't know if you've realized this, but no one is ever honored by what they get. They're honored by what they give away. You never see somebody with their name on the side of a museum, on the side of a a college, university, on the side of some building because... They were just famous for their money. They got their name there because they gave their money to them. All right? That's how that works. And so the reality is is that we are known and we honor and we respect people who give away. 
That's how you make a name. What does Jesus live out here? He, being in the very form of God, living in the heavenlies, existing in the heavenlies, being in the heavenlies, being in the heavenly existence. That's where Jesus was. But I love the statement. He did not consider it a thing to be grasped. How many things in your life are you holding on to, grabbing hold of, won't let go of, when Lori and I moved and we're going to Africa, the, the mission agency that sent us gave us 600 cubic feet to take anything in this world that we wanted to take to Africa. We were going for four years. We thought as creatively as we could. They told us they didn't need any air in Africa, so pack it all in there. Get everything you can in there, in every little crevice that you can. We took deodorant for four years. We took shaving cream for four years. We took... Uh, I'm, We took everything for four years. We took four years' worth of Velveeta cheese. We took everything that we could fit in that container. Basketball, four years' worth of Christmas gifts for the kids. We planned it. But we were warned. We were cautioned. But as you take these things, some things never make it to you. Agencies, government people, it ends up pillaged. It ends up broken into. So we were warned When you go, when you pack it, take it in your hand and not in your heart. Take it in your hand and not in your heart. And I wonder if we could walk through this world a little bit with things more in our hand and less in our heart. But even with Christ, He didn't even hold on to the heavenlies. He didn't even hold on to all the royalty. He didn't even, though he never gave up his deity, he didn't hang on to all of the, all of, we don't even know what heaven is like. I can't even put words into it. Paul went to heaven in the third heaven. It says, and I can't even tell you what I, what I saw. You can't put words into it. In fact, heaven's going to be so wonderful. Isaiah 65 verse 17 says, we're not even going to remember this world. Can you imagine? That's how awesome heaven is going to be. And so the reality is, is we don't even know what Jesus gave up to come to earth. But he personally gave it up. He didn't hold it. He didn't keep it. He didn't hold it close to him. I wonder if any of us or all of us are holding on to things tightly when we should be holding on to them loosely or lightly. Is there something that I can't go there. I can't do that. I can't allow myself to go there because I'm holding on to it too tightly in my own heart. Jesus himself came. He said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. I want my life to be known for, for how I give, how I live. Hey, oh, sorry. So here's some ideas. How can you go into the Christmas season now giving personally of yourself? Think about it. Think about your time. We just talked about that. Do you have two weeks? You have 52 weeks in the year. Do you have two weeks that you could give to another context in 2012? Think, Mike, that was last year's challenge. That's every year's challenge at Grace Point. Are, are you willing? Can you? Will you? Take your time. I know it's precious. It's all precious to us all. The great thing is, is we're all on the even, even playing field. We all have the same amount. Will you give two of your... Just go serve over at the Samaritan Center. Go, go serve in the soup kitchen. Go, go, go help a homeless person. had an email last week or two weeks ago from Habitat for Humanity wanting to build a, a home for somebody in northwest Arkansas. Will you take some of your time and do that? Take time. Give it. 
away. Talents. Think about think about the talents that you have. You know, again, I think about talents in our church, and I would have never put this on the talent list, but the talent of hospitality to people who don't have children, children who don't have a mother or don't have a father. You know, I'm amazed at the continual growing, swelling support of our in our church family right here of how families are saying, "Hey, I got a spare bedroom." I got some spare time. I'll go down and be a mentor at the Boys and Girls Club. I'll give of myself my time. I'll make space in my home. I've got an extra place setting. There's room for somebody else at the table. We have 17 families in our church right now that are either adopting, have adopted, or in the process of being trained for adoption care. That is awesome. I told you this is a message of commendation as much as it is a challenge. Do we have space in our life? For those, we're, we're literally seeing such a growth in our international work and such a growth in our domestic missions projects that we're doing. We're looking forward to adding a pastoral team member who will just be over our missions element. All of our missions, everybody's involved in global work. Everybody's involved in development work. But we're looking forward to that leadership coming on soon. But here's another thing. What about your treasures? How can you give financially to help? So when I know that we all come and we all say, okay, I want this, or, but I have only this. Think about the couple. They got married and Peter had brought into the marriage a whole lot of debt from college. Carol brought in her share of the debt, but he brought in a whole lot. And as they, as they, and they sat down as, as a couple and they decided in their first Christmas when all their other friends were going out and buying jewelry and big expensive gifts and vacations... They said, listen, we're not doing this. We're not going in any more debt. We're going to stop it right here and right now. We're not going to give any gifts that cost us anything. And so Carol made that commitment. Peter made that commitment. That's the way we're going to do it. They, come to, they go through the Christmas season. Every time Carol went to the store, she kept remind, had to remind herself she'd see that gift. She'd want to grab it and bring it into the cart and take it home and give it away. She didn't. She comes Christmas morning, she wakes up, she goes in the kitchen, and there on the table is this big wrapped box from her husband saying, to you from me. She was mad. She was not happy. She got a gift. She'd been biting her fingers off, trying not to buy gifts and all that kind of stuff. And then lo and behold, he said, I didn't buy it. He said, I took my racket. He played racquetball. He took my racket and I sold it on Craigslist. He said... And I bought you that gift. Well, his stock in her marriage went through the roof at that point because she knew how much he loved racquetball. That was his hobby. But he so much wanted to give her a gift that he gave a part of himself. She opens up the gift and it's a blender. Not the most exciting gift in the world. She said she could have lived all her life without the blender. But she went to bed that night, and from her own words that was on her her blog, she said this. She says, I thank you. She told God, I thank you for making us poor. Otherwise, I'd never known how rich I am. I think if we can learn to value the gift of ourselves into other people's lives and to value the other person, I think we're beginning to live the story of Christmas. Instead of what we do, we pile in all this plastic and synthetics 
to say, I love you, when really what we should do is give ourselves. Give personally. But number two, give humbly. Give humbly. Notice what it says in verse 7 and 8. He said that he humbled himself. He made himself nothing. He humbled himself. What is that? What is this whole idea? Jesus lived out his life. He came to this earth by giving of himself personally. He lived on this earth humbly, humbly among mankind. He willing and intentionally lived a lesser life so that you and I can live a more full life, a more complete life. Now that's a humbled state whenever he was willing to give. You think about Jesus and the posture in which he lived out his life. Jesus... He was born on the wrong side of the tracks to a mother out of wedlock. That is not exactly the way that most kings come into this world. Let me say it to you again. He was born on the wrong side of the tracks to a mother out of wedlock. Now, Mary does go on and marry Joseph. We know the story. They do go on and have children. But the point is, is that she was an adolescent pregnant, born of a virgin. Here she was, and she was not only that, she was from Nazareth. What kind of life? Because nothing good comes out of Nazareth. You don't believe me? Read John chapter 1, verse 46. Nathaniel said, he said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? It's a rhetorical question. No, nothing good comes out of Nazareth. That's where Jesus was born. That's where Jesus grew up. The wrong side of the tracks to an unwed mother. Can you imagine that kind of challenge? See, here's, here's a statement. What would Christmas presents do to us if Christmas presents weren't in the way? If we could learn to value the presence of Christ in the humble life that He lived, might we not try to live so exalted but live more humbly? He was born on the wrong side of the tracks to an unwed mother. He was number two. Jesus lived a non-materialized life. It wasn't about the stuff. It wasn't about the, the stuff that he could accumulate. I, I'm afraid, and again, I love the gift exchange thing, but I'll tell you this, point blank, we have adulterated Christmas. We have adulterated it. When we make it about the stuff, we've adulterated Christianity when we make it about the stuff. It's not scientific doubt, it's not atheism, it's not pantheism, it's not agnosticism that in our day and in our land is likely to quench the light of the gospel. It is the proud, sensuous, selfish, luxurious, church-going, hollow-hearted prosperity. We need to really examine the depths of the Christian faith that we talk about because the life in which Christ came, lived, and died was quite humble. I don't know if you've read the book Crazy Love. I know you hear it around here a lot. But in chapter 7, he talks about in chapter 7, aspiring to the median. That what if our families, instead of aspiring to great wealth, we aspire to live at the median level of most Americans, which is about plus or minus $46,000 a year. What if that became our budget and everything else north of that became usable for God, usable for His work, for His glory. 46,000, well, could, you, could you live on that? The median American will live on that. We give the rest away. 
Again, you can give it away in all different kinds of shapes and forms. You can, you can help orphanages and you can, help, you can help in so many different ways. But what if we just had that to, to fund our, our, our family global trips around the world? What if that became the Christmas, the Christmas that we gave? I don't know. Think about how I can ask for less this year and actually give more away. What, what, if we, what if we went to our family members and we said, okay, okay, I, I would like this, this, and this, but instead of the 15 other things, what if we could go and say, but I'd like you to give to this cause. I would like you to fund this global adventure. I would like you to help out here. You can do it. What about it? Think about it. One more. could probably go a lot further, but if you think about it, you see... Jesus did not hold on to the things of of heaven, but he let go of them. He gave personally up what was rightfully his. God, he didn't have to give it up, but he personally gave it up. And then when he came to this earth, he lived a humble life while he was on this earth. But how far did he go in that humility? How far did he go in that giving of himself? But to know that also he, he, he gave sacrificially. We should give sacrificially. When you look at Jesus' life, if we're going to live the Christmas story and not just talk about it, he says that being found in the form of, uh, being, excuse me, found in human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Death and even death, death on a cross. You know, sacrifice is, is one of those words that I don't think we, we know fully, embrace it, but I've heard it defined like this. Sacrifice is whenever we give, some, give something you love, you give up something you love for someone you love even more. You give up something you love for someone you love even more. So whenever the stuff becomes less important than the people and the person and the cause and the movement, and really whenever I make a sacrifice when it comes to the Christmas season, and I make a sacrifice and say I'm not going to ask for as much, I'm going to give more away, and I take on that mentality, I truly I make a sacrifice and I give up, so now I have freedom to give. You know, I, I'm proud of the church. I'm proud of our church. I'm proud of their giving. I'm proud of the, the, they've come before you today, and this is the first Sunday I can tell you this, but it has no relation to the message, but yes, it does at the same time, because our church has been giving sacrificially for the past five years in this toolbox that we're in right now, $3 million toolbox, and now we're down to $28,000 is what we owe. That's, that's a good thing. Okay? Now, it's not about the toolbox. The toolbox helps us do the ministry. But I'm thankful for the, for the family of faith that gives sacrificially. I'm thankful for my family. Because when it comes to this Christmas, our kids already know what they're getting. They're getting stockings. Not these kind of stockings, okay? They're getting only what can fit inside a stocking. And the rest of what we were going to spend on Christmas, and they are all thumbs up for this, is they're ready to go back and serve in Africa this summer. So we as a family are going to pull our resources and we're going to pray the stock market does better and we're going to sell our plasma uh, TV and anything that's inside of us. You know, we're going to sell it all uh, if we have to, 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 to make sure we can go serve somewhere else. And I don't say that to blow our horn. I'm just saying because that's the culture of our church. And, and I hope that, that you have the mentality that, you know what? I don't need as much stuff. But I can take my life and I can give it. 
Jesus gave to the point of death. Every Christmas season, we come to this time of year and we challenge our church to give over and above the normal offerings. At Christmas time, it's just one of those times that there's a generosity in the air. And every year, we'll take our, a Christmas offering. At Christmas Eve, we're going to have two Christmas Eve services and then one Christmas Eve, or Christmas Day service. They're all going to be identical. So on Christmas Day, feel free to get up early, open your gifts, come at 9.30 in your PJs. I don't care. We'll worship together, and then you can go home for, for, for lunch and all that kind of stuff. But on that day, on both those Christmas Eve Christmas Day, we're going to collect an offering. And that offering is going to go in three different directions. One is it's going to go and support the New Day Orphanage in Zambia. A third of it will go to them. You're going to meet the, the, the founders of the orphanage. I said that in a, few, in a few weeks. They're going to be here, and you're going to get to meet them. And so a third of it will go there. A third of it will go to our ministry budget. That pays for everything in the kitchen sink, okay? I promise you. It pays for what you see and what you don't see. It pays for what you experience and your children are experiencing right now. It pays for in so many different ways. I will not have a spe- any other offering on that, on that special, on that Sunday, except for that. It will all go to the Christmas offering. And then another third of it will go to support our outreach projects, both here locally and globally. We've been able to send 110 families and individuals around the world this year. Why? In part because we took up an offering at Christmas time last year that gave hundreds of dollars in scholarships to people going around the world. They actually made it affordable for them to do it. And so part of our offering will go there. I, I, I say all this not as a commercial to that. Because this Christmas story isn't really about receiving. It is about giving. And we have been given so much, it is time for us to learn, as we've been given freely, to freely give. And again, I want to commend our church for already being there and doing that. But I want to challenge our church to not stop. Lori and I, and I counted them up on my way here today, we've bought six cars in our 21 years of marriage. Six cars. I can tell you about two of them that we deeply regretted. It was our first two. We were the typical, and maybe you weren't that way, but we were, I felt like, a typical newlywed couple ready to live on our own and to buy our own cars. First car we bought was a used one. We regretted it within a few weeks after that when we saw how much gas it was using and on and on and on. Uh, we went out and bought an SUV. And so the second one, we, we were a little little smarter, dumber, I don't know. We went and bought a new one. And so it could depreciate even faster than the older one. And uh, it was a van. It was a purple van of all ungodly colors. It was a purple van. And uh, we, we, we bought that. And it had the new car smell. They even threw in the floor mats for us. How about that? You know, they were really generous. Um, but within a couple of weeks, <laughs> we were regretting it. It's like, man. But you know what? For the next years, we had to pay for that sucker. Until we went to Africa, we were still paying for that, that purple van. And I, and, I, and I think back to that, and I think that buying those cars got Lori and I in a situation to where it wasn't easy to freely give extra. We've always tithed. We've never backed off of that. But when it came extra, mm, that was tight. Because we had leveraged ourselves out in ways that were unhealthy. We've gotten smarter since then. We pay cash for vehicles. We pay the payments to the bank to ourselves. And we save up and we give it that way. 
here's, here's the moral of that story is, is we've never, never regretted anything we've ever given away. In fact, what we do is we get great warmth and satisfaction when we see lives changed, when we see drills dug in, in Africa, or we see children come to faith in Christ. We've never, never, never regretted it. And I think back to the life of Christ. He came giving himself personally. He lived humbly. He lived to the point of death, sacrificially. That's the Christmas story. Are you going to live it?